Good morning. You know, we understand sacrifice to a certain extent. We understand what that means kind of in our own, own context, but I believe that there are men and women that do understand that more than the average person. They understand the true meaning of sacrifice. I'm talking about this morning our men and women of the armed forces. And I want to ask you if you have served or if you're currently serving in uh, any branch of the military, I would like for you to stand for just a minute. There's anybody in here that has served or is currently serving. Also, I would like for you to stand if you have a family member who has passed away in the call of duty or if uh, you are a surviving uh, family member of someone who was a soldier, I want to ask you to stand as well. Could we give these guys a hand? Could we tell them thank you this morning? I, I want you to remain standing for just a minute. Because what I want to do, I want you to remain standing for just a minute because I, I want to pray over you today. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you for the sacrifice that you have made for our country. And I want to say also a prayer over those who may have lost loved ones who have fallen in combat or who may have gone on uh, to be with the Lord since they have served. So church, would you just bow your heads with me and let's just pray for these brave men and women. God, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that these men and women have made for our country to preserve and protect our freedom, God, that we get to enjoy. I thank you so much for what they have done, and I pray you bless their families, every one of these men and women who are standing here today. I pray a blessing upon them and their families. I pray that they walk in peace. I pray that they walk in the joy of the Lord. I pray that they walk in victory, God, knowing that you are for them and not against them. I also pray for those, God, who have fallen soldiers in their lives, God, who have, uh, who have went on to be with you, God, and I just ask you in Jesus' name that you would just comfort them this weekend as we take, Father, time out of our busy schedules to thank them and to honor them and to remember their sacrifice, how they gave their life for our freedom, and we just want to pray a special blessing over them today and honor them, and thank you for them, Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you guys. Y you know, We've been talking about being stretched and what that means. We've been talking about how God will stretch us or how he will make us uncomfortable. Every time that you're stretched, you need to understand this basic principle that when you're stretched, it is because you are being expanded for room to grow. There's room to grow. God is wanting to do more. So whenever you hear truth, maybe, like we talked about last week, that may be hard to hear, or maybe you hear something that you don't like and it's stretching you. It's uncomfortable. You don't like it. The first natural reaction to stretching and to discomfort is to push it away or to run away. Every time we're in an uncomfortable situation, every time that we do something that, you know, oh, we hear something that's just, oh man, and, and, and we're stretched beyond what is comfortable. But God wants us to embrace that. He wants us to be stretched this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this title down, being stretched to sacrifice being stretched to go above and beyond, being stretched to sacrifice. Now, we're talking about sacrifice today, and we've got sacrifice on our mind because it is Memorial Day weekend, and we're thinking about all of those who have sacrificed their lives or those who are over there sacrificing time with their family, those who are actively doing things, those who have done things and those who have fallen. We're thinking about those things this weekend. We're seeing images and, and we feel very patriotic this weekend because we think about the great sacrifice. And for us to truly wrap our minds 
around what sacrifice even is, I want you to just grab a hold of this this morning. Write this down. This will be your first point today, that true sacrifice is motivated by a concern for someone else. As a matter of fact, you saw the scripture at the end of the video that we played in John 15, 13, where Jesus told his disciples, no one has a greater love than this. That's to lay down your life for your friends. Jesus said, no greater love has any man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. In other words, he's telling him, what I'm about to do is the ultimate act of love. What I'm about to do is the ultimate act of selflessness. It's the ultimate act of serving. It's the ultimate act of giving. I'm giving everything I have that's going to benefit someone else. Sacrifice is motivated by a concern for someone else. How many of you guys know that we live in a day and an age that it's real easy to be motivated and concerned about yourself? If I don't like something, if something rubs me the wrong way, if I hear something I don't like, or if I go to a restaurant and I get bad service, we're very consumer-minded. We get that way uh, in in church. We get that way in our day-to-day activities. Everything is very consumer-minded where we have options and we can just do whatever we want to do. So it's all about pleasing us. It's all about making me happy. It's all about whether I'm comfortable or not. Well, what happens whenever you're uncomfortable? What happens? Are you going to stick through that stretching that God may be doing in your life, or are you going to push it away like we do so often because we don't like the pain, we don't like the stretch, we don't like the way that it, that it makes us feel? You know, everybody has the natural ability to do things for themselves. That's just the way it works. Everybody has that natural ability. But here's the thing, to, to sacrifice is not human nature. Human nature is to do things for yourself. Now, it is the nature of God to sacrifice. It is the very nature of who he is because the Bible says in John 4 and 24 that God is love, that he is love. So if God is love, if who he is, his, the, the very core of who he is, if he is love, then that sacrificing, motivating, and concern for someone else is just a part of who he is. It's not just something that... He does. It's part of his nature. We've been talking about how uncomfortable that stretching is and how stretching ourselves to become that sacrifice, how that just makes us, we don't like hearing these things. They're a little uncomfortable to hear. But from a physical therapist standpoint, I looked up the benefits of stretching just because I needed to actually know what the physical benefits of were stretching. So that way, maybe we would be a little bit more motivated to do it then, right? So physical therapists say that stretching has these benefits, that it increases your flexibility and joint range of motion. Mm -hmm. It improves your circulation. It gives you better posture. It relieves stress, and it enhances your coordination. But it's not very fun, is it? Stretching is not fun. I I had a buddy, his name was Sean in Oklahoma, and and he was a physical therapist assistant, and what he would do sometimes is he would practice on me. I was like his guinea pig, you know? He would say, hey, I learned how to do the stretch thing today in school. Hey, why don't you lay down on the floor? And I was like, yeah, okay. He would like push my leg back as far as it could go, and then he would push it back even further beyond that. I'm going, this is killing me. I mean, the guy's just stretching me, and it's painful, and it hurts. But he, whenever I was done... I was able to run longer, or I was able to exercise longer, or I was able to do whatever it is I needed to do and f- feel better. But when you're in that moment, when you're in that stretching, it's, 
it's not fun. It's very painful. It's very uncomfortable, but there's benefits to it. Now, the benefits to being stretched physically, we understand those things. We can talk about those things. But the benefits to being stretched by God are even greater because it's like you're the clay and he's the potter and he's molding you and he's shaping you and he's making you into who he wants you to be. He's stretching us, you know. It's, it's during those times of stretching and molding and shaping that we either embrace that difficult truth that we need to change and we allow God and his mercy and his truth to let it shine through our lives to where we can truly live that life of sacrifice for God or we say, no, this is, this is not for me. This is too hard. This is, this is too difficult. So we reject truth and we begin to find things that we like that make us feel good and I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But you've got to understand that that increases your capacity for growth. I think that John the Baptist said it best. As a matter of fact, let's just look at it. At John chapter 3, so you should already be in John if you turn there earlier. John chapter 3, and we can look here at verse 28, where John the Baptist is, is talking to a group of people about the Messiah, the Christ that is coming. He said, here's the deal, guys. He said, you yourselves bear witness that I'm not the Christ. Everybody thought that John the Baptist was the man. I mean, here he was, you know, out there, just a radical. Everybody thought he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. But he said, no, I'm, I'm not the guy. He said, I've told you before, I'm not him, but I've been sent before him. I've been sent before him to prepare the way. Now, verse 29, John still talking to his disciples. He said, now he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, he stands and hears him. He rejoices gladly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, there, therefore this joy of mine is fulfilled. Verse 30, he says, he must increase, but I've got to decrease. In other words, you guys are wanting to tell me how great I am. You guys are wanting to say, yeah, John, John, baptize away, man. You rock and roll and with your camel skin and you're eating the locusts and honey and you're, you're a rock star. We, we, you're the Christ. You're just weird. You know, we think you're great. You're cool. And we want to exalt you and talk about how great you are. And John said, no, no, no. This isn't about me, fellas. This isn't about me. You see, I've actually, actually, you want to go and get me a big gathering and a big following, but... I'm not the guy. I'm supposed to actually, believe it or not, I'm actually supposed to decrease and so this guy can increase. In other words, I'm going to purposely step back and exalt him and put him first and put him at the forefront intentionally. It's not like, oh man, Jesus is here. <sighs> ah, I guess I got to decrease now. No, he said, I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to put myself in the background so he can be up at the forefront. I'm choosing to do this. I've got to decrease so God can increase. And it's the same thing in our lives because we spend all of our lives looking for ways to increase, 
That is what we do with every waking moment sometimes of our day. We look at ways of how we can increase our success or our view or our model of success. We look at ways that we can increase our finances. We look at ways that we can increase our popularity, our social status. We look at the ways that we can increase others' opinions of us, our uh, opinions of people have of us in the community. We look at increase of how we can gather things to ourselves. We look at uh, always having bigger houses houses, better cars. We're all the time wanting to just bring all this stuff and look for increase in our lives. And it seems like our whole life is just spent chasing after increase that we're heaping upon ourselves, the better position at the job, the notoriety of men, all of these things that we try to bring in. But sometimes whenever you bring in all of those things, those are the very things that actually make you popular it's not necessarily that people really care has anybody ever found that out before whenever you've lost something or you've lost a certain status in people's eyes all of a sudden you kind of are left out in the cold alone i remember whenever i was about 10 years old i was in grade school and i grew up in the south and uh really like you didn't know that already and i grew up in the south and everybody's dad was just really into hunting. I mean, that was just the big thing down there. And my dad was not into hunting. He was a fisherman, and he would go out, and, you know, that was his thing that he did. And so all of my buddies, though, that dads that hunted, they all had four-wheelers because that's, like, required, I guess, if you go hunting— and for those of you that are wondering what a four-wheeler is, it's an ATV. That's what I've heard Wisconsin people call it, an ATV. And I'm like, what is an ATV? You mean a four-wheeler? That's a four-wheeler. But anyways, I know some people still call them four-wheelers. That's a side note. Anyways, you can write that down if you want to. But everybody had four-wheelers, but I didn't have one because my dad, that just wasn't our thing. I would have loved to have one. I lived out in the country, and that would have been awesome, but we just didn't have one. But at school, I had one. I told my buddies about how awesome it was. I told my buddies about how, how, how cool it was, how it had these, these incredible mud tires on it. You know, I told them about, you know, the, the jet propulsion. Um, and I told them about the flames that would shoot out of the back. And I told them about how it would go from zero to 60 in like, you know, 0.5 seconds. And I told them of how, you know, the wings would come out from the sides and we would just fly. And well, it wasn't that elaborate, but it was pretty elaborate. I mean, it was just the biggest, it was the best, it was the the baddest four-wheeler. But whenever they came over my house, it was always in the shop for some reason. I don't know what was wrong with my imaginary four-wheeler, but every time my buddies would come over and they would say, where's the four-wheeler you were talking about? Man, let's go ride in the four-wheeler because I'd go riding four-wheelers over at their house. And they're like, yeah, Derek has this great four-wheeler, you know? And I, I just made up this whole story because I wanted them to embrace me. I wanted them to to like me. I wanted them to think I was cool. And so I made it up. I gave this facade just because I wanted to increase my popularity or my standing with them. Isn't that silly? But some of us do the very same things. Isn't that really childish? But we do the same things today to try to make people think that we're something that we're not. We try to make people think that we're uh, so-and-so that has everything just right and just together. And, and because we want you to think well of us, we want to increase our standing with other people. So we'll compromise and we'll lie and we'll try to do whatever it takes to make sure that we can fit in with this person or that person so we can continue to increase and bring it to ourselves and increase. But that's not the point of life. That's not the point of Christianity. That's not how this stuff is 
supposed to work. John said, actually, for Jesus to come to the forefront, I've got to take a step back. Because what we become, when we don't even realize it, is we become self-promoters. And we become our own biggest fan. And we begin to promote ourselves to everybody else and try to let everyone else see how great we are. And we go around promoting ourselves long enough that we're trying to increase all of these things in our lives and we don't realize that what's actually happening is we've actually made an idol out of things. We made an idol out of our status. We made an idol out of our job. We've made an idol out of whatever thing that has taken the place of Jesus Christ. And actually, whenever John said, I've got to actually decrease and actually put God in the forefront. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Well, I'm glad you asked. I do this all day long, by the way. I talk to myself like this. It's ridiculous. Alyssa and Pastor Mike probably think I'm nuts when they're in the office. But why? How How do we do this? Well, the thing is, guys, is that we've got to get to the place where we put God's will and God's agenda at the forefront of our lives. That means that my life, whenever I hear something that stretches me or I hear something that challenges me, that I don't reject it and continue to serve my idea of the way it should go. I submit to the way he says it's supposed to be. That means whenever I hear something that's uncomfortable or challenging or, oh, pastor, it's stretching me, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can, because God wouldn't have said it otherwise. God doesn't want, you know, somebody to follow this portion of his word and the other person, ah, I know you really can't handle this, so this doesn't apply to you. You're exempt. No, that's not how it works. You see, if he put it in there, he knows our capabilities. He knows what he uh, wants to do in us and through us, and he knows what we're capable of, but he wants us to realize that. And so from time to time, we, we see ourselves being stretched We see ourselves being pulled, and what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do during those times whenever you hear things in His Word or something's taught that's difficult? What are you going to do during those times? Are you going to allow yourself to be stretched, or are you going to push it away and reject it? You see, we live in this world where getting things has become very easy, and so because of that, we just try to get more to gain that notoriety and to gain that position in life. It's become very easy. It's called credit (laughs) amen oh me or oh my or ah i mean and this is the mentality of our society is that if i can afford the payments then i can have it and we don't even look at the big picture and so we just look at everything in payments and so we we try to heap upon ourselves as much stuff as we can get constantly heaping on ourselves stuff and stuff and stuff or or in work we'll try to chase after this position or that position and we'll work ourselves to the ground all of these different things now pastor are you saying that it's bad to have stuff and are you saying that it's bad for me to want to be ambitious at my uh, job and my career absolutely not you should be you should be ambitious to succeed and to do well the thing is is that it should not take the place of god being in the forefront of our lives A lot of times we treat God like he's a side dish to life. We treat God like he's just kind of, you know, like life is the steak. And God is like the mashed potatoes or the green beans or the salad or something. He he complements the meal, but it's not really the main thing. Or we treat God like he's a spice. You know, like like we've got our, our food 
And, and we like to sprinkle a little bit of extra on it to make it better. And that's how a lot of times we view God, we view church, we view life. A lot of times that's how we see Instead of giving him everything we have and decreasing so he can increase, we just want to sprinkle a little Jesus on our steak to make it taste a little better. Any of you guys, the first service didn't know this, maybe you guys do. Any of you guys know what that uh, the seasoning is, the Tony Shashery stuff? Anybody raise your hand? Yeah, well, yeah, but you guys are from the South, though. Uh, you guys lived in Shreveport. You, you know, I am so appalled that you guys don't know what this stuff is. It's, it goes on everything. It doesn't matter. If something's already salty and seasoning, just dash a little bit of that on it. It's amazing. They have it in the section at Walmart that says people that move from the South. That's the section it, that it's in. So you've got to find that section. It's, it's somewhere between the, the catfish and the crawfish tails, somewhere in, in there. So, those, you know, the ones that you never visit. You know, you guys are too busy buying brats and hard rolls, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but it, it, that seasoning, my wife and I, we put it on everything. It's incredible. I mean, it, it really is. And um, we, we love it. But that's how we look at God sometimes is that we go, oh, you know, this life is going pretty good. Oh, I'll, I'll start going to church. Oh, man, that's even better. That's great. This spice made it so much better. In other words, what we're saying is I can do fine on my own, but maybe God can be an enhancement to what I can already do on my own. And that's the way we treat God. That's the way we treat him. And, and, and then we, we actually don't decrease. We actually increase, but we include God a little bit. Kind of like the artists do whenever they uh, uh, win a, a Grammy Award or something. What do they get up there and do? They say, I want to thank my family. I want to thank my producer. I want to I thank Bob and Timmy and little Mo. Oh, thank everybody that worked so hard on this project. And I want to thank God. Good night, everybody. Isn't that what they do? Over and over and over again. You see, I, I remember um, one time on VH1, uh, back in the day, they, I don't know if they still do it because I haven't watched VH1 in years, but they used to do a show on there called uh, Behind the Music. You, any of you guys ever watched that before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And what they would do is they would talk about these, these guys who, uh, you know, were, were has-beens, kind of one-hit wonders, you know, Millie Vanilli, you know, and Vanilla Ice, and MC Hammer, and all those guys. They would go and find these guys and find, you know, the behind-the-scenes story that nobody knew about. And I'll never forget one time I was watching the documentary they did on MC Hammer. You guys remember MC Hammer, right? Can't touch this. Dum, 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 dum. I dance in the first service. I'm not doing it in this service, though. So. But <laughs> that's what he used to do. He said he had the big balloon pants, and they were really awesome. And he used to do the, oh, oh. Anyways, I heard my wife during the first service whenever I did that, and, and I didn't ask before I did. I didn't get you guys permission. And she said, oh, no. <laughs> so anyways, MC Hammer made a lot of money off of the song Can't Touch This, and then he had another song, Too Legit, and those were really his only two big hits that he had. And um, he used to say that he would always include a song on his album to God, like no matter what album he did. And, you know, I think, you know, yeah, that's nice, and I'm not trying to criticize MC Hammer because actually he's a, he's a minister today. He's probably doing great things, but he lost everything. He had millions and millions. He had success. He had fame. He had all this stuff, and he squandered his money just on foolish things and, and, and on foolish living, and he had everything, and he had notoriety. He had fame, and then he lost it all. And you know, a lot of people treat that like, God, you, 
why am I failing here? Why am I falling? You owe me, right? I put one song on my album. I thanked you at the Grammy Awards. You, you owe me. And that's how we look at God, like we've done this, this little thing and, and included you in our life. We've allowed you, God, to be a spice in our life. We've allowed you to, to be in our lives, God. And so because of that, why, why are these things happening in my life? What's going on? Well, God is trying to let us know that, listen, you've got to actually decrease. You see, it was whenever a lot of these guys decrease that they truly find purpose and they truly find what God wants for them to do. And then they wake up and they realize it wasn't about them and it wasn't about allowing God to just be a seasoning to what they have already accomplished, but realizing that God is not just the main course. He's everything. He's not just the side dish. He's not just the dessert. He's everything. He's not just the one song on the album. He's every song. God is everything. God, he's not, I can't just give him a little piece of my life and then walk away and go, okay, things are better because I, I gave you this little piece. No, actually, we've got to step out of the picture and actually allow him to run the show. We've got to take our hands off the controls and stop trying to craft our own version of what we think success is and allow God to define what success is. We've got to stop crafting our own version of what peace and joy is, and we've got to start accepting God's version and what He says. And when we do that, it may stretch us, it may hurt, it may be uncomfortable because we realize how selfish we've been but yet if we will allow ourselves to be stretched and humbled under the hand of God, then he's actually increasing our capacity to grow and to be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. That's what we've got to understand. We've got to get. You see, the, actually, the more that we gain by our own selfish ambition, the more we actually lose. The more that we try to heap things upon ourselves, we may look for a season like we're winning, but how many of you guys going back to that thing about the rock stars and the VH1 stuff, these guys had it all. These guys had money, they had fame, they had notoriety, they had all these things. And we heard so many stories after stories of these guys committing suicide, of these guys just giving up, of these guys losing everything, of these guys turning to drugs and turning to alcohol to drown the void and the emptiness in their lives. Why? Because it may look like success on the outside. It may look like they've gained. But actually, because of their selfish ambition, they've actually begun to lose. And it's eating them from the inside out. And it's tearing them up. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 16. Go ahead and turn over there real quick. Matthew 16 and verse 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, listen to this, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? I mean, Think about that. That's completely backwards from the way that you and I even think and the way our society goes. I mean, you actually gain by losing. and You know, what do you mean? Jesus said it at another point uh, in Scripture where he said, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, if you want to be first, you've actually got to be last. 
what? And if you want to be, and if you're last, actually, I'm going to bump you up to the front of the line. Line cutter? <laughs> I've earned this spot in this line. Don't cut in front of me. Yeah, but you've you got to understand, it's, it's a hard issue here. Those that are actually humbled and that are in the back of the line, those are the guys that I think are the greatest. That's how my kingdom works. Actually, you're going to gain more by losing your own selfish ambition, your own selfish agenda, your idea of what success is, your idea of what love is, your idea of what peace is, your idea of what joy is. If you lay that down at my feet and you actually take what I'm trying to tell you in my word and stretch you, even though it's uncomfortable, if you allow yourself to be stretched, then you understand what real success is, what real peace is, what real joy is, and you can walk with confidence in what God has called and created you to do. Amen? That's what we've got to get. We've got to have a redefining of these terms in our lives and understand what it really means to sacrifice. You see, a lot of times we're stretched, but because we we aren't willing to sacrifice, that we get stuck. And we just reject it. We're not willing to to give something up. We're not willing to be flexible. We're not willing to listen to what God has to say. We're not even willing to listen to others what they have to say. And it may be the truth and it may be right, but we're rejecting it because it's too big of a stretch. Because we've got to be right all the time. Not people in this church. The other churches in town, right? We're fine. But for everybody else... (laughs) Well, we feel this need to have to be right all the time, and so therefore we just think we're without error. We think everything that we say and do is gold, and, and that's not the case. You know, how many of you have ever maybe been involved in a conversation where someone that was, has been through a few things or that may have a few years on you, a little bit more experience on you, they've, they've talked to you, and they just have this demeanor about them. They just seem just so so calm about this situation you could go talk to someone maybe who started a business or uh, someone who had been through marriage issues or someone and and they come on the other side of that and and you can go talk to them and they've got this they've got this peace and this confidence about them and they can address you and here's the temptation it's for you to think they haven't been through anything because people who haven't been through anything aren't that happy (laughs) people who haven't been through anything aren't at peace like that Because let me tell you, if you really knew what I was going through, you would look all kinds of messed up. But they don't. They they had this demeanor about them. I remember whenever I started a business in Texas, I went and sought people that were a lot older than me that had uh, started businesses before, and I began to ask them all kinds of questions. I'm a big question asker. I I bounce ideas off of people all the time, and I ask them, what do you think about this? Or, hey, what about this? And I just throw wild things out there. And so I was bouncing this off of this guy that was a business owner one day, and he just was just so confident and so clear and answering questions and giving me direction and other pastors that I've talked to. Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think? I mean, these guys that are much older and that have been through a few things, you know, I go and I talk to these guys and I've got one guy in Texarkana, Texas. His name is Pastor John Miller. And uh, he started pastoring Church on the Rock in Texarkana, Texas, whenever he was 30 years old, which I'm 30 years old too. So, you know, we kind of have that rapport there. He's now in his 60s. 
And uh, he's been pastoring that church whenever the church started. They were running about 200 people. It was in shambles. It was just terrible what was going on there. And he kind of walked into this really, really bad situation. And it was very unfortunate. Now that church is running over 1,000 people. They're seeing people saved left and right. And they're doing incredible things. And I look at this guy and I'm like, man, you know, God is just blessing your church. People are coming. You guys are, are talking about all these great things. People are getting saved. I mean, it's just incredible the life change that's going on in your church. You know, and, and in our minds sometimes we think these things just happen overnight. And we think these people didn't have to go through any battles or through any struggles or be stretched at all. And he can talk to me so calmly. And I'm like, yeah, but what about this and this and this? And he'll go, Derek, this and this and this. And he'll just tell me straight up. And I'll be like, oh. And they just, because they've been through some things and they've allowed themselves to be stretched. And what has it done? It's increased their capacity. It's increased their capacity to be leaders. It's increased their capacity to teach others. It's increased their capacity to love others, to have patience for others. All kinds of things. And that's what happens whenever you and I don't give up during the stretch. It increases our capacity. It, it increases our capacity to understand what sacrifice really means. To understand what it really means to decrease and allow God to increase whenever we truly begin to apply what he's trying to tell us in our lives and allow that word to shape us and chisel us and mold us and make us into what he wants us to be instead of us serving the God of the idea of what we want to be. We serve the God of the idea of who he says we are and how he wants us to live and how he's created us to be. And he's saying the potential's on the inside of you. It's on the inside of you. You need to step up to the bar and you need to begin to allow yourself to be stretched. Amen. You see, this is completely backwards, this idea of the first being last and the last being first. But Jesus is calling us, church, I want you to understand, to really give ourselves away. Because what, what it does when we begin to give ourselves away to him and we truly begin to be obedient to his truth and submit to his truth, it reveals selfishness in us. I'm going to say it a little slower so I can say it a little more. I said it reveals selfishness in us. And that's the part we don't like to deal with. We don't like to deal with the ugly side of ourselves. We want to think everything is everybody else's problem and everybody else's fault. And we don't want to deal with the ugly side of ourselves because it's hard. We want everything to be someone else's fault in our lives. That's, that's not how it always works, folks. Yeah, you're not to blame for everything, but let me tell you, you're not exempt either. Amen? Amen, oh me. Real quiet. Can we just hurry up? And <laughs> That's hard. But it's true. It's true. You see, the truth is stretching us all today, and it reveals things in our hearts. And, and this is illustrated here uh, in Philippians chapter 2. Go ahead and turn there. I'll show you. Everybody okay? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Or in other words, let's stop right there. He said, let this mind be in you. What does that mean? It means that we're supposed to be thinking this way. Let this mind be in you. Or in other words, if you're not thinking like this, you need to start thinking like this. Because sometimes our mentality is all jacked up, and we got to fix it. we got to start thinking right, right? I was raised up hearing it called stinking thinking. Has anybody ever heard that before? No, just me? Yes? You say yes? Tony Shashashari's stuff? Anyways, you got you know, a lot of times our thinking is what's got to change. It's got to 
you know, align with what God wants us to align our thoughts with. So the first thing he tells us, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's about to tell us how Jesus thought. Who being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So in other words, he's got this title. He's, he, it's not robbery for me to say I'm equal with God. It, this is what Jesus was saying. I'm, you know, Jesus was saying, I'm, I'm basically God here in the earth. But, verse 7, he made himself of no reputation. Huh. As a matter of fact, he took the form of a bondservant, and he came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient, even to the point of death, even the death at the cross. But because of that, verse 9, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said, let this kind of thinking be in your mind. In other words, by every right, Jesus could have made a huge reputation and brought all kinds of people to him. He could have been a rock star. Jesus could have done whatever he wanted to do. He's God in the earth. And he could have said, I'm God, come and follow me. Watch me do all these awesome miracles. And he could have been like zapping stones and turning them into bread. He could have been doing all kinds of really incredible things just to blow people away and draw them to himself. And he could have said, look at what I can do. Watch this. Isn't this going to be awesome? You see, by every right, he was God. By just who he was, he could have said, there's no way you're killing me. There's no way you're going to abuse me. No way you're going to spit in my face. No way you're putting a crown on thorns. Don't you know who I am? But he didn't say that. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he did the opposite. He said, let it be done unto me as you've said. As it's been prophesied in the word, let it be done to me. As the prophet Isaiah spoken. Let it happen. He, he, he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, if, Father, could you let this cup pass from me? He said, but nevertheless, he said, let it be done. Let it happen the way you said it was going to happen, even though I know what's coming. Even though I could by all rights make a name for myself. Even though by all rights I could try to pursue fame here in this earth. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not here to make myself famous. I'm here because I'm supposed to be a sacrifice for the sake of the world. And because of that, Jesus had this mind, this concept, this idea in his mind that, you know what, even though I'm the son of God, it's about me being a sacrifice for everyone else. Wow. What? Now, here we're told by Paul to let this mind be in us. In other words, let's start thinking this way. Let's start thinking that even though we could go out and try to make a name for ourselves and we could try to draw people and things to ourselves, let's not consider that. Let, let's, let's have that mind like Christ had that said, you know what, I'm not here to be served, but I'm here to serve. I'm here to offer my life as a living sacrifice. So God, stretch me, mold me, change me, shape me into what you want me to be so I can be better used and serve God for you. That's what he's saying. He's telling us right there. And here's the thing. We can say all the right things. We can do all the right things. We can try to, you know, say, you know, God, uh, thank God at the Grammy Awards, all those nice things. But God's looking at your heart and he knows what's really going on. You know it? 
God is really looking at our heart. We can fool everybody else, but we can't fool Him. What are your real intentions? Why do you really do what you do? What, what are your real intentions? What's your true motive? You see, God sees through the desire to earn the praise from men. He sees through all of our masks. And He's calling us today to be stretched by His truth. I want to share one more scripture with you before we go today. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I read it last week. But it's just fitting for what we're talking about today. Paul says here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That word reasonable service, that term there, in the Greek, in the original Greek there, it literally means it just makes sense. In other words, it just makes sense for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. It just should be a natural response. Just like if I were to bless you or to give you something and give you a present or give you some money, your natural response would be to say thank you. It should be our natural response to present our bodies as living sacrifices to God, allow ourselves to be stretched, allow Him to use us, to shape us, to change us, to mold us, to submit to what He wants us to do, even if it's hard, even if He's stretching us, even if it conflicts with our own ideas and our own agendas. It just makes sense for us to present our bodies as living sacrifices and say, God, not my will, but your will. So in other words, if you say it and I don't like it, I'm going to submit to it because I trust you. Because I trust you. I've learned to trust you and I'm learning more and more to walk in that peace and that confidence that if you said it, that that's the way it's going to be. Would you bow your heads with me this morning for just a minute? I want to ask you, what's God requiring of you today? What is God speaking to your heart about today that's going to move you from a position of asking, what's in it for me? That's our natural tendency is we want to ask, what's, what's in it for me? God wants us to move from that place of what's in it for me to God, what can I do for you? How can I better serve you? How can I better live for you? How can I take the truth that I've heard today that may be hard, that may be stretching me, it may even hurt a little bit, God, how do I take that and, and, and how can I better serve you with that instead of just rejecting it and saying, what's in it for me? That's an easy thing to do, say, well, I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I want to give up on God. I want to give up on trying. It's just too hard. And we make excuses and God is saying, no, no, no. I, I want you to humble yourself and decrease and allow me to increase in your life by decreasing your own selfish ambition, your own selfish agenda, and allowing what I say to control your life, to be able to speak and guide and direct your life and your steps. Let me be in control because I know what I'm doing. I created you. I love you. I, I want the best for you. And we've got to get to that place today where God is challenging us and we're saying, you know what, Lord, I'm willing today. I'm willing to be stretched by your truth. It's not easy, folks. But the Word of God isn't always just something easy that we just hear and just say, you know what, that was great. Sometimes it's challenging. And that's okay. That's okay for some things to be hard. That's okay for some things to be challenging. We don't need to make excuses for that. We don't need to say, 
oh, well, that's just too hard. I, I need to hear something else. No, no, we don't need to make excuses or reject the hard things of God because it's, it's all motivated by love. Even if it's hard, it's motivated by love because God is love. He, he can't do anything any other way. And so if you felt uncomfortable today because of some things in the Word of God, understand that the motive is love because God wants you to change and He wants you to grow and He wants you to be stretched for His kingdom. You can take the position of being attacked and get defensive or you can say, no, God, here I am. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to be stretched for your kingdom, for your purposes. If we truly want to experience God's desires for our lives, for our marriage, for our kids, for our finances, for our, our church, then we've got to be stretched to sacrifice. So church, I want to ask you today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I, I feel stretched today. I feel stretched and, and, and I'm ready to say, you know what, God, not my will, but your will. I'm just ready to be stretched, God, and, and, and I'm ready to change and Lord, make me who you want me to be. If that's you in this place, I just want you to just let me know you're here just by lifting your hand up. Just lift it up. You can put your hands down. God, I want to be stretched by you. Stretch me. Stretch me by your truth, by your love. Yes, Lord, I see your hands. Hands up all over this room. Hands constantly going up. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. But before I do, I want to ask this question. If there's someone in this place today that says, Pastor, I, I need Jesus in my life. I, I, don't, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or you might say, I've said a prayer maybe when I was a kid, but I, I don't really feel like I'm very confident in the fact that I know him. And I don't know if, if it was real or not. I, I just want to know today. I want to be sure. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm right with God. Or maybe you have said that prayer and you did mean it. And it was sincere, but maybe you've stepped away and you've walked away from God. And it's time for you to come home today. It's time for you to make that decision. If that's you in this place today, if any of that criteria fits you, I just want you to let me know you're here. While every head's bowed, I want you to just lift your hand up and put it back down. I want to make sure I'm right with Jesus today. See that hand. See that hand. Anybody else? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. I just want to know you're here. All right. Would you stand with me this morning, church? First of all, just repeat this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord, that you're my Savior, that you died for me and you rose from the grave to live in me forever. From this day forward, I'm new because you're in my life. Forgive me of my sins and help me draw a line in the sand and never go back. I'm moving forward with you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, I would love for you to let us know.